Welcome to another episode of Norman Student Podcast. Today we'll be covering 25 questions in air, nose, and throat. These are multiple choice questions and will serve as a supplement to your preparation for the upcoming end of rotation exam and also the upcoming boards. As usual, you're reminded that the, this method of review is not a substitute for your reading the textbook. So please read the book. Let's begin. Question number one. Which of the following is associated with conductive hearing loss? Which of the following is associated with conductive hearing loss? A, chronic loud noise exposure. B, inner ear barotrauma. C, acoustic neuroma. And D, autosclerosis. And the answer is D, autosclerosis. Conductive hearing loss occurs when sound cannot pass through the outer and the middle air to the inner air for translation by the trochlear and eventually the vestibular trochlear nerve, which is the eighth cranial nerve. Thus, all conductive hearing loss is due to outer and middle air pathology. Because there are so many etiologies of conductive hearing loss, it can be easier to remember general categories. Category number one, obstruction. This includes cerumen impaction, which is the most common cause. Number two, infection, such as otitis media and or otitis externa. Number three, structural, including autosclerosis and eustachian tube dysfunction. And number four, trauma such as tympanic membrane perforation or disruption of the ossicles. In contrast to conductive hearing loss, almost all sensory neural causes of hearing loss are due to inner ear pathologies, chronic loud noise exposure, inner ear barotrauma, and acoustic neuroma are all inner ear pathologies. Question number two. Which of the following is the most common cause of conductive hearing loss in the adult population? Which of the following is the most common cause of conductive hearing loss in the adult population? A, trauma, B, infection, C, cerumen impaction, and D, autosclerosis. And the answer is C, cerumen impaction. All conductive hearing loss is due to either middle or outer air pathology. And cerumen impaction is an outer air pathology. Cerumen removal is only indicated in patients who experience symptoms which include hearing loss, air pain, or air itchiness. The treatment of choice is cerumenolytic mineral oil or hydrogen peroxide drops in the air, followed by irrigation with warm water. Question number three. Which of the following is the most likely cause of sensory neural hearing loss in the adult population? Which of the following is the most likely cause of sensory neural hearing loss in the adult population? A, loss of hair cells from the organ of corti. B, trauma. C, autosclerosis and the D, infection. The answer is A, 
loss of hair cells from the organ of corti. Unlike conductive hearing loss, sensory neural hearing loss occurs almost exclusively in the inner ear. Typically, it is due to the loss of hair cells from the organ of corti, the part of the trochlear which translates sound vibrations into nerve impulses which get carried to the vestibular trochlear nerve, which is the eighth cranial nerve. The most common cause of trochlear hair loss is age-related degeneration known as presbycusis. Other causes of sensory neural hearing loss include chronic loud noise exposure, Meniere's disease, or labyrinthitis, congenital infection with um, cytomegalovirus or rubella, and toxic or autotoxic drug exposure such as aminoglycosides, chemotherapy, and anti-malarials. Trauma to the inner ear, such as barotrauma, can cause sensory neural hearing loss, but it is not the most common cause. Autosclerosis occurs most commonly in the outer ear, making it a cause of conductive hearing loss infection. In fact, well, hearing loss rather, infection can lead to labyrinthitis, which would be a cause of sensory neural hearing loss but it is not the most common cause. It can also lead to otitis media and otitis externa, which are causes of conductive hearing loss as they affect the middle and the outer ear. Question number four. Sensory neural hearing loss in the elderly is best described by the following. A, acute loss of hearing to high frequency sound, B, progressive loss of hearing to high-frequency sound. C, acute loss of hearing to low-frequency sound. And D, progressive loss of hearing to low-frequency sound. And the answer is B, progressive loss of hearing to high-frequency sound. Age-related hearing loss, also known as presbycusis, occurs progressively over many years, usually beginning in the patient's 50s. It is classically symmetric and affects high-frequency tone first. Consonants have higher-frequency tones, so patient can usually hear vowel sound longer, but lose the ability to identify consonants. It can be accompanied by tinnitus, a ringing, static, or rushing sound in the ears. Risk factors for presbycusis include white race, history of loud noise exposure, exposure to autotoxic drugs such as aminoglycosides or chemotherapy, smoking, and hypertension. Loss of hearing in presbycusis is progressive, not acute, and the loss of hearing is to high frequency, not low frequency sound. Question number five. Which of the following does not cause conductive hearing loss? Which of the following does not cause conductive hearing loss? A, cerumen impaction, 
B, autosclerosis, C, tympanic membrane perforation, and D, presbycusis. And the answer is D, presbycusis. Presbycusis causes sensory neural hearing loss. It is age-related hearing loss. It is typically symmetric, high-frequency hearing loss. Question six, which of the following term best describes age-related hearing loss? Which of the following terms best describe age-related hearing loss? And the answer and the choices are autosclerosis, presbycusis, um, cholesteatoma, and minier disease. And the answer is presbycusis. Presbycusis is age-related hearing loss. Question seven, which of the following medications cause reversible hearing loss? Which of the following medication cause reversible hearing loss? A, aminoglycosides, B, chemotherapeutic medication, C, antimalarial medication, and D, loop diuretics. And the answer is C, aminoglycosides. Well, actually, yes, C, which would be antimalarial rather, Antimalarial, I'm overshooting there. So um, antimalarial causes reversible hearing loss. Aminoglycosides, um, chemotherapeutics, and loop diuretics all cause irreversible hearing loss. Very important. Aminoglycosides, chemotherapeutics, and loop diuretics all cause irreversible, irreversible hearing loss. Aspirin and NSAIDs cause partially reversible hearing loss, while antimalarial drugs cause reversible hearing loss. Question eight, which of the following is not a component of Meniere disease? Which of the following is not a component of Meniere disease? A, sensory neural hearing loss, B, tinnitus, C, vertigo, and D, conductive hearing loss. And the answer is D, conductive hearing loss. The classic presentation of Meniere disease is hearing loss, tinnitus, and vertigo. Question nine. Cholesteatoma is a mass composed of keratinizing squamous epithelial cells associated with tympanic membrane and resulting in conductive hearing loss. Which of the following is the treatment of choice? Um, which of the following is the treatment of choice? But let me read that again. Cholesteatoma is a mass composed of keratinizing squamous epithelial cells associated with the tympanic membrane and resulting in conductive hearing loss. Which of the following is the treatment of choice? A, chemotherapy. B, radiation therapy, C, surgical removal, and D, antibiotics. And the answer is C, surgical removal. Cholesteatoma may erode into the trochlear, ossicles, tympanic membrane, and the facial nerve. The treatment is surgical removal. Question 10. Vestibular schwannoma, which is known as acoustic neuroma, is a benign neoplasm that causes sensory neural hearing loss, tinnitus, and sometimes vertigo. 
which of the following family history puts a person at high risk for this tumor? Let me read that again. Vestibular schwannoma, which is known as acoustic neuroma, is a benign neoplasm that causes sensory neural hearing loss, tinnitus, and sometimes vertigo. Which of the following family history puts the person at high risk for these tumor? And the choices are neurofibromatosis, B, cholesteatoma, C, chronic otitis media, and D, vestibular neuritis. And the answer is A, neurofibromatosis. A family or personal history of neurofibromatosis puts a person at high risk for this tumor. We will be right back after a short break. Take this time to pause the episode, get up, stretch out, grab a coffee, and the episode will continue shortly after. See you soon. Question number 11. A 70-year-old man complains of hearing loss, which progressed over the last six months. A vibrating tuning fork was placed in the center of the forehead. If he had conductive hearing loss, which of the following statements would be true? I read it again. A 70-year-old man complains of hearing loss, which progressed over the last six months. A vibrating tuning fork was placed over the center of the forehead. If he had conductive hearing loss, which of the following statements would be true? A. The vibration will be heard louder in the affected air. B. The vibration will be heard louder in the unaffected air. C. The vibration will be heard equally in both ears. And D. The vibration would not be heard in either ear. And the answer is A. The vibration would be heard louder in the affected air. This is the Weber test. In the Weber test, the vibrating tuning fork is placed in the center of the forehead and the sound would be heard louder in the affected air if it were conductive hearing loss. A 70-year-old, question 12, a 70-year-old man complains of hearing loss which progressed over the last six months. A vibrating tuning fork was placed in the center of the forehead. If he had sensory neural hearing loss, which of the following statements would be true? A, the vibration will be heard louder in the affected air. B, the vibration will be heard louder in the unaffected air. C, the vibration will be heard equally in both ears. And D, the vibration would not be heard in either ear. And the answer is B, the vibration will be heard louder in the unaffected air. This is the Weber test. If in the Weber test, the tuning fork is placed in the center of the forehead and the sound would be heard louder in the unaffected air if it were sensory neural hearing loss. So that's important to see the distinction, right? So this is the Weber test. It's the tuning fork displays. And if it is sensory neural hearing loss, the sound is heard louder in the unaffected air. Question 13. 
A 70-year-old man complains of hearing loss in the left ear, which progressed over the last six months. A vibrating tuning fork was placed on his left mastoid bone until it was no longer heard. The fork was removed and held outside the left ear. If he had conductive hearing loss, which of the following statements would be true? A. The vibration will be heard louder on the mastoid. B. The vibration will be heard louder when the fork is held outside the air. C. The vibration would be the vibration on the mastoid and outside the air would be equal. And D. None of the above is true. Well, the answer is A. The vibration would be heard louder on the mastoid. And this basically, let me go back to this. This basically is the fact that um, it, the question is asking, if he had conductive hearing loss, which of the following would statement would be true? And the vibration would be heard louder outside. Um, the vibration would be heard louder on the mastoid when the tuning fork is placed on the mastoid. And this is the Rhine test. That's for conductive hearing loss. And question 14. Well, this is the last of our 70-year-old man. Um, a 70-year-old man complains of hearing of hearing loss in the his left ear, which progressed over the last six months. Um, a vibrating tuning fork was placed on his left mastoid until it was no longer heard. The fork was removed and held outside the left ear. If he had sensory neural hearing loss, which of the following statements would be true? A. The vibration will be heard louder on the mastoid. The vibration will be heard louder when the fork is held outside the air. The vibration on the mastoid and outside the air would be equal. And, and D. None of the above. And the answer is B. The vibration will be heard louder when the fork is held outside the air. And this is for sensory neural. Question 15. In the United States, which of the following is the leading cause of antibiotics prescription um, for children? Let me read that again. In the United States, which of the following is the leading cause of antibiotics prescription in ch for children? A, otitis externa. B, otitis media, C, tonsillitis, and D, conjunctivitis. And the answer is B, um, otitis media. In some countries, as the Netherlands, management is frequently observation only, in contrast to the United States, where this diagnosis is the leading cause of antibiotics for children prescription. Question... 16. A 10-year-old boy, a 10-year-old child was evaluated for otitis media, which, for let me say that again. A 10-year-old child was evaluated for otitis media. Which of the following physical finding has the highest likelihood ratio for acute otitis media? A. Tympanic membrane erythema. B. Tympanic membrane bulging, C, tympanic membrane cloudiness, and D, 
tympanic membrane immobility. And um, let's see here. Let's get this question back. Okay. So the choices, tympanic membrane erythema, tympanic membrane bulging, tympanic membrane cloudiness, and tympanic membrane immobility. And the answer is tympanic membrane bulging. In, in the pediatric literature, tympanic membrane bulging has the highest likelihood ratio for acute otitis media, followed by tympanic membrane cloudiness and immobility. Question, six, 20, question 17, rather. Which of the following is the treatment of choice um, for acute otitis media in patients without medication allergy? Which of the following is the treatment of choice for acute otitis media in patients without medication allergies? A, augmenting, B, amoxicillin, C, Zitromax, and D, penicillin. And the answer is... B, amoxicillin. Question um, 18. A 10-year-old child was diagnosed with acute otitis media and was treated with amoxicillin. Two days later, the child returned to the ER without any improvement. Which of the following medications should be the second-line treatment? A, augmenting. B, azithromycin. C, Bactrim and D, erythromycin. And the answer is um, augmenting, augmenting. In, in a, for, as a general rule, augmenting for chronic otitis media. Um, question 19, Pseudomonas aeruginosa accounts for 50% of cases of otitis externa. Which of the following organism is the second most common cause of this air infection? Pseudomonas aeruginosa accounts for 50% of cases of otitis externa. Which of the following organisms is the second most common cause of this air infection? A. Staphylococcus aureus. B. Herpes zoster. C. Group A. Streptococcus. And D. Group B. Streptococcus. And the answer is A. Staphylococcus aureus. Question 20. Which of the following is not a risk factor for otitis externa? Which of the following is not a risk factor for otitis externa? A. Increased moisture. B. Use of cotton tip swab in the air canal. C. Use of bobby pin to clean the air. And D. Increased cerumen production. And the answer is D. Question 21. Which of the following is the first-line treatment for allergic rhinitis? Which of the following is the first-line treatment for allergic rhinitis? A, oral steroids. B, intranasal steroids. C, intranasal antibiotics. And D, oral antihistamine. And the answer is B, intranasal steroid. Question 22. Which of the following is the most common cause of pharyngitis? Which of the following is the most common cause of pharyngitis? A, virus, B, bacteria, C, fungus, and D, allergies. And the answer is A, virus. Question 23. Which of the following does not support 
a bacterial cause of acute pharyngitis? Which of the following does not support a bacterial cause of acute pharyngitis? A, hacking cough, B, fever, C, tonsillar exudates, and D, anterior cervical lymphadenopathy. The answer is cough, a hacking cough. Question 24. Which of the following is the treatment of choice for group A streptococcus pharyngitis? Which of the following is the treatment of choice for group A streptococcus pharyngitis? A, amoxicillin, B, augmentin, C, penicillin, and D, Bactrim. Well, traditionally, penicillin is used, but other drugs such as amoxicillin has also been used. But if you get these four choices, go with penicillin. Question 25. Which of the following is the most common cause of epistaxis in children? Which of the following is the most common cause of epistaxis in children? A, trauma, B, nose picking, C, chronic facial, um, chronic facial rhinitis, chronic facial rhinitis. Let's get that question again. Let me do that over. Which of the following is the most common cause of epistaxis in children? A, trauma, B, nose picking, C, chronic um, facial um, infection, and D, allergic rhinitis. And the answer is B, nose picking. Well, let's throw in one more question. Question 26. I'll add another extra question here. Let's do one more question here, guys. Which of the following medication is likely to cause gingival hyperplasia? Which of the following medication is likely to cause gingival hyperplasia? Let's see if you can take a shot. A, nifedipine, B, erythromycin, C, Bactrim, and D, digoxin. And what do you say about that one? That is A, nifedipine. Okay, I think we have reached the end of our review here. The source of this, these, in, these questions are the MKSAP. Internal medicine, MKSAP internal medicine, and you can refer to them. Um, the, the information was taken from that. Again, study hard, push yourself, and remember your mind is a fertile field. Be careful what you plant in it. Good night. Thanks for listening to Norman Student Corner Podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, hit the plus button on the top. Stay tuned for another episode. Remember to listen, study well, take care. <laughs>